recently retired police chief Mark McMurray continues his public support campaign backing former officer William Darby. Last year, a jury convicted Darby of murder in the shooting death of Jeffrey Parker while on duty in 2018. Darby is appealing that conviction. Tonight, Way 31's Matt Kroschel dives deeper into the national nonprofit organization featuring Darby's defense and the former chief's new video message. Matt's repeatedly asked former Chief McMurray to agree to a sit-down interview to talk about his retirement and time leading North Alabama's largest police force. Those requests so far have gone unanswered. Matt joins us live in the studio now with a story that's all new and only on Way 31. Matt. McMurray took a lot of heat when he and Mayor Tommy Battle made it known early on in this case that made national headlines they supported Darby. The Huntsville police officer charged with murder when he shot Parker as officers responded to Parker's suicidal calls for help. City leaders continue to stand by Darby and believe he was wrongfully convicted of Parker's murder. As we have reported, those officials say Darby was following police, city, policies and procedures. Now retired, McMurray now lending his voice and support to Darby as his appeal works its way through the courts. Appearing on video wearing his official City of Huntsville Police Department embroidered shirt for a social media video post for the nonprofit Pro First Responder, the Resiliency Project site. I am recently retired Huntsville Police Chief Mark McMurray, and I stand with former Huntsville Police Officer William Ben Darby. According to their website, the Resiliency Project's mission is to end the silent suffering of the nation's first responders by providing peer support, advocacy, and funding for treatment, recovery, and psychological services in an effort to treat post-traumatic stress, build resilience, and end suicide. Darby's wife, you see her on screen there, is also featured in the series of short video posts about Darby's case. She thanks supporters who are contributing to that defense. I reached out to the city of Huntsville to ask for a comment about the former chief's use of his city-provided police logoed shirt in that video, and they said they did not have a comment. As for Darby, the appeal states the evidence supported the idea that Darby acted reasonably when he used deadly force. His defense is asking for the conviction to be overturned on the grounds that jury instructions key to Darby's defense were denied and there was a lack of evidence to support the conviction. In the studio, Matt Kroschel, Way 31 News. Folks, unwarranted police officer persecution continues. Welcome back to Whistleblower Wednesday here on the Rob Manus Show Live. And we're at the Red Voice Media Network. And also, we've got our simulcast going into Twitter X spaces uh, for our live audience. So welcome to everybody over there. It's a case that has gripped North Alabama for more than five years. The 2018 on-duty shooting of an armed suicidal man by a Huntsville Police Department officer. The district attorney prosecuting the case called the shooting unjustified. William Ben Darby was convicted in 2021 for the murder of Jeffrey Parker. He served over a year of a 25-year sentence in state prisons, including time at Limestone Correctional Facility. Earlier this year, the Alabama Court of Criminal Appeals overturned his conviction. The court found the trial judge should have instructed the jury to consider the reasonableness of Darby's use of deadly force as a police officer. Ben Darby's wife, police officer Keelan Darby, joined me a year ago to discuss the case and is back with us today for an update on this 
tragic and sad story. Keelan, welcome back to The Rob Mina Show. Uh, you know, the last time you were here was in July of last year, and the show was taped once a week. Well, now we're live four nights a week, so we've got a live audience, and we've got a live audience over on Twitter X Spaces, uh, uh, just so you know. And I, I let one of them uh, come in and either ask a question or make a comment uh, once every segment. So uh, I don't want you to be surprised by that. but. Uh, but just uh, bring the audience up to speed on what this case was was really all about originally, Keelan. And uh, uh, but before that, how are you? And how has been? How's your family? Thank you, Rob, for giving us another opportunity to uh, talk about the injustice that happened to my husband and our family. So Ben's been home since April uh, 14th, I believe, so a little over four months, um, enjoying freedom as he should have been. He never should have been incarcerated. And I can say that confidently because I was trained the same exact way that he was. And I don't even belong to Huntsville Police Department. I work for a different department uh, in Alabama and I was trained the same way that he was. So, um, but to get to your point, uh, he was in involved in a shooting in 2018 where Jeffrey Parker had called 911 and said, the front door is open, I've got a gun to my head, I'm gonna blow my brains out. So if you ask any police officer, if all if that's all that they hear, that's not a call where we're gonna walk into the house and try and make a friend. We're going to surround the house and attempt to get that caller to come out of the house uh, with no conflict. And the original two officers who were sent to that call did the exact opposite. They walked into that house with their guns drawn, pointed to the ground. So that they're not ready for, a, for any threat. They already know that the caller has a weapon. He said that he's going to blow his brains out. Um, so you know that he has a gun. They decide to walk into the house with no cover, no concealment, nothing to protect them from the threat that Parker is to them holding a weapon. Uh, ben gets there after they have called, after the two original officers called for backup, Ben arrives as the third person on scene, expecting a perimeter to be set because that's how he was trained. And that's how he had responded to several calls very similar to this one prior to this incident. He gets there, sees them in the house to his surprise, and they're not protecting themselves. They're not able to communicate with Parker. They're not able to get him to do what they want them to do. So Ben takes over the scene, uh, raises his gun at Parker because Parker is a threat to him. Again, uh, I've done this before. It's that quick. I know there's a there's a there's a delay in the video, but it's that quick, and you don't know when I'm going to point my gun at you. So as a police officer, we're trained. If someone has a weapon, our gun is on them. Okay, and that's exactly what Ben did. Ben gave Parker seven commands to put the gun down. Parker failed to do so, and he also told the officers that he wasn't going to put the gun down. A refusal to act is is an action, and. Parker failed to act that day by not doing what officers told him to do. And these officers were in full uniform. They weren't in jeans and a t-shirt. It was obviously that they were HPD, that they were there for a call for service because Parker asked them to come help him. And uh, during that time when Ben was there, Parker had started to point his gun at Ben and the other two officers. And Ben stopped that threat to their lives and saved three officers' lives that day. It is tragic that a life was lost but it comes down to following directions and not calling the police and having a weapon in your hand 
when they get there. Because when you introduce a weapon to a police officer, if you don't follow their directions, you can expect bad things to happen. And that's exactly what happened that day. Ben saved his life and those other two officers' lives because Parker attempted to shoot them when he moved his gun away from his head towards those officers. If you go back to our training in case law, officers don't have to wait for the bead of the weapon to be pointed at you. And I believe that's in Graham versus Connor's case law. Um, you can also look at Monty versus Carr and Krasinski versus Bradshaw. All that is backed up. Officers don't have to wait to be threatened. If they can, if they're in a situation where they feel like they're threatened and has to look at that officer, not at the officers as a whole, but that one officer who uses the force, if they feel like their life is threatened, they can act against that threat. And that's exactly what Ben did. Do you, uh, uh, now, let me make sure I understand this correctly. Mr. Parker did move the gun uh, mm -hmm. as Ben was giving him commands, but he didn't put the weapon down. Is that correct? And that's what led to the shot? To right. The fatal so, shot? so Ben had given Parker several commands to put the gun down. Um, I believe it went, Ben said, put the gun down. He said, no, I'm not going to do it. Ben said, I'm not going to tell you again, drop your weapon. And he said, no, and went like this. As soon as he started moving the gun towards Ben and the other two officers, Ben broke his shot. And, and when the uh, Internal Affairs looks at all of these shootings, mm -hmm. there's always a, an officer-involved review board. Uh, what was the outcome of the uh, initial look at this by the review board? Yeah, so in, Internal Affairs looked at it. Um, they looked at it from Ben's point of view and his camera, and then the other two officers and their cameras. Mm -hmm. Uh, they found that Ben was justified. He was in policy. He did everything that he was supposed to do to the letter. They found the other two officers in violation of policy for lack of threat assessment. So not taking care of themselves, not protecting themselves during that incident. Um, ben was not in, was never disciplined. He was never put, got in trouble. Um, the other two officers were disciplined and had to go through remedial training. Um, the incident review board that reviewed it consisted of police officers, civilians, the district attorney, and um, other people from the district attorney's office. All of them said it was okay. That was May of 2018. And then in August of 2018, the district, the district attorney said, I'm just kidding, we're charging you with murder. You can't say it was good and then four months later say it's not good. He signed off on it in April or in May during the incident review board, but then because the chief wouldn't fire Ben at the district attorney's request. The district attorney went after my husband. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because I watched a uncut interview uh, with this district attorney, and, and uh, this was after the appeals court uh, overturned him five to nothing, right? Mm -hmm. If I understand yeah, so, it correctly. So the I mean, that's a court, devastating defeat. <laughs> yes, the higher court, which is five judges, um, it was a 5-0 decision to overrule and overturn his trial court conviction. And then the attorney general, Steve Marshall, it was given to him to look at for two weeks. And he has refused to say anything about this case since its inception in 2018. Yeah. So if you have five judges from a higher court who have a higher power than the trial court, and then you have the attorney general on top of that saying, no, this was good, why are we going back to trial? And that was... That was blatantly asked of the, the district attorney a few weeks ago during an interview with a local news station, Channel 31, and he says it's not personal, but he brought that up. So if he's bringing that up that it's not personal, we've never said that to him. 
it's personal. Why are you uh, going after Ben yeah. Bobby? Especially when you yeah. have other shootings that are similar to Ben's and those officers, okay. And thank God they are, because I would hate for anyone who's justified to go through mm. the last five years that we've gone through. But you can't pick and choose what's right and what's wrong when both of them are right. Oh, exactly right. Uh, you know, it's, it's very interesting what he's, on the one hand, he says that, well, all police officers are human beings, you know, uh, uh, but then when he describes uh, 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 the case uh, that's out in the public record and everything, he goes through these things and he, and he blatantly says, well, he, did, he violated training policy, et cetera, et cetera, after, that's why I asked you the question about the review board, because uh, the review board didn't say that. Uh, no. uh, and then he disparages your husband about, well, he's just an 18-month rookie, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so it's really interesting, uh, this district attorney, uh, but it's not surprising that he's going back to trial to try it again, even though it was overturned. Let's go over to the live audience and see if we've got any comments or questions from those guys over at uh, Spaces. Uh, Shell is our producer over there. Shell, do you have any uh, comments or questions? Well, it doesn't look like we've got him up right now, so uh, we'll uh, continue That's on. Right. Hey, Shell, there you are. Sorry, Colonel, I, I had it muted in four places. I apologize, Colonel. <laughs> no problem. Shell, do you have any uh, anybody that's got a comment or a question for Keelan? Yes, sir, we, we have Thomas. Thomas, go ahead. Hey, Colonel. Colonel, thank you, I appreciate it. Ma'am, I, I do have a question in regards to this a justified shooting. Now, in my understanding of law, and I, I've studied law in criminal justice in, in college, I've got an associate's and a bachelor's degree in it. And I'm also, uh, I was a, a certified um, um, mental health tech. Um, remind us, in the act of somebody actually attempting to commit or voicing the actual intent to commit suicide is that not in itself a crime which has to be addressed is your question is it against the law to commit suicide is that your question absolutely so it's not against the law to kill yourself and I, that doesn't sound good but it's not against the law if you if if you want to kill yourself you have the right to do that but when you involve police and you have police who go inside your home wrongfully because that's against their training, now they're putting themselves and every, every other officer in, in harm's way. Um, in Alabama, at least, it's not against the law to kill yourself. It's, that's a horrible thing to, to want to do that. But yeah. you have the right to kill yourself if you want to. Well, thank you very much, Keelan. We've got to take a, a commercial break because we're live now and we have to pay for this show uh, and everything. But when we come back, we'll talk about all of the support you guys and Ben are getting uh, from uh, uh, not just the local community, but uh, national organizations and everything. I'm Rob Manus live with Officer Keelan Darby, the wife of Officer Ben Darby, who has won an appeal on his murder conviction uh, and is about to go back to trial here this coming December. We are talking about why he's being persecuted. We'll be right back. We interrupt today's programming to bring unfortunate news. 
Biden's dangerous plan for a digital dollar is underway. Don't be fooled. It won't benefit you. So take action now. The Federal Reserve's phased deployment of FedNow began on July 1st, 2023. Be prepared. This may catch many off guard and put your hard-earned assets in jeopardy. But here's the good news. There's a simple legal tax loophole to opt out of the digital dollar. Speak to someone at American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide and discover how to safeguard your wealth with gold and silver IRAs against a failing dollar and volatile markets. Dial 833, the number 2 USA Gold. Yes, call now, 833-287-2465. This invaluable guide provides precise steps to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals without any tax consequences. Don't let Biden force you into using the government's new digital dollar. Call 833, the number 2 USA Gold. Yes, call now. 833-287-2465. Act swiftly. 833-287-2465. Attention, fellow did you hear that uh, commercial? It's breaking news. Biden's dangerous plan for a digital dollar is being implemented as we speak. Uh, and don't be fooled. It won't benefit you and me. Act now before it's too late. Uh, the Federal Reserve's phased deployment of what's called FedNow started on July 1st, 2023, uh, two months ago. So brace yourselves. Uh, this caught me off guard, as I'm sure it's catching you if you haven't heard about it yet. Your hard-earned assets really are at risk, but there's a way to legally opt out of the digital dollar in time with one straightforward, entirely legal tax loophole. Contact my friends over at American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide. Learn how to safeguard your wealth from a failing dollar and volatile markets with gold and silver IRAs. Dial 833, the number two USA Gold. That's right, call now, 833-287-2465. This guide will outline the precise steps that you need to take to immediately transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals, all without any tax consequences. Don't let Biden force you into using the government's new digital dollar. Call 833, the number two USA Gold. That's right. Call them right now. 833-287-2465. That's 833-2-USA-GOLD. Welcome back to the Rob Mana Show, live here on Whistleblower Wednesday. Uh, we are talking about the case of Officer Ben Darby, who has won an appeal and is going to have to go back to trial for murder with this district attorney in Alabama that... Uh, just doesn't seem to get it, even though he was overturned uh, five to nothing at the appellate level. Uh, but let's take a look at all the support that he and his wife, Keelan, who's my guest today, are getting from all across the nation. It's not just the Pipe Hitters Foundation from Chief Gallagher uh, or the retired police chief who was the chief of Huntsville Police Department or Ben Work, his boss, who's supporting him. It's others. Go ahead and play clip two, Disco. The National Police Organization has joined the arguments in support of former Huntsville Police Department officer William Finn Darby. It's told in appeals court the trial judge made an error that should reverse Darby's murder.
murder conviction. So the National Fraternal Order of Police, which claims more than 350,000 members, has filed an amicus brief in support of Darby. He's appealing his murder conviction to the Alabama Court of Criminal Appeals. Now, Darby was convicted in May for the for last May for the 2018 on-duty shooting death of Jeffrey Parker, who called 911 saying he was suicidal. News 19's chief investigative reporter Brian Lawson has been reviewing this filing. He joins us here in the studio with more. So, Brian, what are they arguing here? Right. So the filing argues that when it comes to the use of deadly force, law enforcement should be held to a different standard, given the dangers they face, than someone who is not in law enforcement. We got a copy of the filing this afternoon. It was first reported by AL.com. Now, the FOP filing argues Circuit Judge Donna Pate made an error in jury instructions by rejecting Darby's request for instructions saying an officer is justified in using deadly force when a person refuses his commands to drop a gun, as Parker did and if that officer perceives an imminent threat to himself, given all the circumstances. They complain that Judge Pate also rejected Darby's request to tell jurors that the use of force must be objectively reasonable from the perspective of a reasonable officer in a split-second decision situation. The Fraternal Order of Police filed their brief in December supporting Darby. They cite four other states where convictions of officers and use of force cases were reversed on appeal on jury instruction grounds. They point out Alabama does not have an officer or use of force law separate from an average citizen's self-defense law. But prosecutors have argued Darby faced no imminent threat and shot Parker within about 11 seconds of his entering his house. Darby was sentenced to 25 years in prison. His appeal brief is due February 1st. Siobhan, Greg. Well, Keelan, welcome back to the Rob Maynard Show live uh, here. And, uh, you know, that clip, I just wanted to show that clip because the National Fraternal Order of, or Order of Police is the largest police officer support organization in the country. Uh, they don't often take a position, and even further, uh, they don't often uh, write an amicus brief to go into the case in the court, which is what that is, uh, in support of uh, the officer. Uh, were you surprised by that? No, we were very, uh, we expected this because we knew that, we knew that Ben was right. He followed his training, he followed his instruction of the law that we we're given, and the FOP backs that. Uh, we reached out to our state FOP president, Everett Johnson. We have the state of Alabama support. He helped us in getting the national support. Um, with, and I've, I've personally spoken with Patrick Yos, um, with the national FOP board. They fully support and stand behind us and stand with Darby. Um, having their support is huge because like you said, the National FOP is the largest in the nation um, mm -hmm. association to back police. So you can't get any bigger than that. You know, that's that's the highest yeah. person that can support you. And they definitely have our back. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, the interesting thing in that clip, one of the things that jumped out at me wasn't what he what they were talking about what was the bullets. The last bullet on their, their slide there uh, said that the prosecutor said that there was no imminent threat to Ben's life or the other officers in the room. Uh, you're a police officer. I've led police forces. Uh, uh, what's your take on that bullet? Uh, because he says that in his live interviews too, in his video interviews uh, a couple of times over. Uh, I just wonder what your take is on that as a police officer. Yeah, he's absolutely wrong. Um, police officers go through training that the regular civilian doesn't go through. We are past the handling situations that the normal public will never face. And if 
someone presents a weapon to me or any other police officer, a reasonable police officer will ask that person to drop the weapon, whether it's a gun, a knife, a beer bottle, a baseball bat, whatever it is that they're using to try to hurt the police officer. As a police officer, if I give you a lawful command to drop it and you don't do it, that's an immediate threat to me because I'm I'm telling you to drop the weapon, to drop uh, that dangerous thing that you have. And if you're failing to do that, you're a threat to me. It's my job to make sure that I go home at night and to also protect the public. If you can't follow simple directions, like we're all taught in kindergarten, what's gonna happen to you is on you. It's not on me or it's not on the police officer. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, when I think about this case and the circumstances surrounding it though, and, and that question, I, I, I take it out of the setting of a guy in his living room and I put the exact, put it in the exact same context, uh, but say standing in a parking lot next to his truck and he's got his gun up to his head. Uh, he's made the same phone call, I'm gonna shoot myself. The same officers show up, do the same actions, and then Ben gets there uh, and does the things he does, gives the commands, and the individual still doesn't do it, and then he moves the gun in any way whatsoever uh, after refusing the commands. Uh, seven times, and I still, when I run the, through the scenario, I take the same action that uh, Officer Ben Darby took, and that's el eliminate the threat, which is what we train you guys uh, to do every single time, because that's what you have to do to protect yourselves and the public, right? Right, right, and if you do take it out of, you know, because uh, a lot of people are like, well, he was at his house, and there was no one else in danger, and there was no one else home, um, if you listen to the 911 call, the dispatcher tells Parker, stay on the line, we wanna help you. And you can hear Parker say, no thanks. And then he hangs up. Dispatch makes multiple efforts to make contact with him again by phone. And he refuses to answer the phone. So he knew what he was doing that day. Um, it's also, I don't know if this is known as widely as it should be because it wasn't allowed into his original trial, but the neighbor of Parker, um, had several conversations with Parker while he was cutting his grass or just doing neighborly things. And Parker told his neighbor that he hated police and that he had a plan to lure a police officer into his home. Well, that's exactly what he did that day back in April, 2018. He just wasn't successful with his plan to kill a cop. Um, if you take the situation out of his house and now put it in a public setting, now you have the public to deal with um, and their safety. So not only, not only are you dealing with an armed individual and the officer trying to protect himself and the other officers on scene. But now you have people in the parking lot or bystanders or what have you also in play. If I give you a command to drop the weapon and you don't do it after the first time, that's an imminent threat mm -hmm. to me. I shouldn't have to tell you seven times to drop a weapon or in Ben's case, to drop a gun. Um, after the first time you don't do it, you're an, you're an immediate threat and any movement after that, I'm gonna take as a threat against my life the other officers' lives or any bystanders that I have with me because you can't follow simple directions. Yeah, I, don't, I honestly don't know any police officers that would respond any differently under the same circumstances. Well, we've got some uh, hands up in the live audience over on Spaces. Let's see uh, uh, what comments or questions they have. Shell, uh, uh, go ahead and, and roll in whoever's first over there. Colonel Manis, we have Agent 99. Agent 99, you, go ahead. 
Hello, Colonel. Hello, Mrs. Thomas. Um, I have two observations here listening to her, to her facts of the case. The first one that blows out big time at me is suicide by cop. The other thing that comes to mind about the persecution of her husband is the fact that half of our country is on a bandwagon to defund the police. And if you're in the right, you're going to be wronged by a dual justice system. So that that that's just my observation. And thank you all for letting me speak. Thank you, uh, Agent 99. Uh, Keelan, that's one of the questions that I had in my mind uh, is that this stands out as a, as a uh, what looks to be a case of suicide by cop, uh, or like you described, maybe an attempt to murder a cop uh, and go out that way. Yeah, I could say it's both um, because Parker had several, if he wanted, if he really wanted to kill himself, he would have done it before police arrived. Um, there, was a, there was a bit of a response time before officers got on scene. I don't know exactly what it was, but it wasn't like he called the police and police showed up within 10 seconds. There were several minutes that had gone by. So if he really wanted to kill himself that day, he was able to do that. Um, and the, he did. it did come out during the investigation that the gun that Parker had was a flare gun painted black, but it was also loaded with compromised buckshot. So if he would have been quick enough to uh, pull that trigger before Ben had pulled his, Ben and the other two officers would have been um, shot that day. There's no, there's no, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They would have been hit. Um, also, to her point, this happened in 2018. What else? What else was going on in 2018? Like she said, defund the police. We had George Floyd in 2020. We didn't go. <clears throat> excuse me. We didn't go to trial until 2021. So you had all of that. Uh, negativity breeding for three years and then we go to trial two weeks after mm -hmm. george floyd gets found guilty yeah or, uh, Derek uh, Chauvin, i'm sorry it gets found yeah, guilty Chauvin, you, can't yeah. say, you can't say that that didn't have an effect on ben's case um covid was in there i wasn't allowed to go to court with him i had to watch it from a separate room on a tv screen that was turned off several times which is a violation of his right um that definitely played a factor into how trial went because the jury members, they didn't see anyone there to support Ben. All they saw was this police officer with his defense team. And then they saw the prosecution railing on him. And every time we would object to something, we would lose it. Every time that the DA would object to something, the judge would grant it. Um, so the jury did not get a fair shake at this trial because of that, they weren't properly instructed. And then you have all the negativity in anti-police sentiment for three years building up to that. I think if he would have been tried in 2018, I think we would have been successful and he would have been, he would have been acquitted. Um, we're going into trial in December and there, there was a police officer involved shooting uh, back in March and mm -hmm. he, the same district attorney allowed the, the killer of that officer to be out on bond for 14 months, running around the city of Huntsville while he had assault and weapon charges against him. He never convened a grand jury to indict him, but when Ben had his on-duty shooting, he got a grand jury indictment within four months. So yeah. we're gonna go after cops doing their jobs, 
but we're not going to go after bad guys who end up actually killing a cop and then in seriously injuring another officer. Um, he yeah. did catch the EA did catch a lot of heat for that. And that I believe is going to factor into this trial. Yeah. And he should t catch a lot of heat for it to uh, talk about. It's not personal. Yeah. Right. You let the killer go loose for 14 months, uh, uh of a cop, uh, but you, uh, uh, do everything you can to put a cop to, who is cleared by his internal review uh, in jail for 25 years. Well, we've got to take another commercial break. When we come back, I want to talk about the specifics uh, of the appeal and what won the day, because there were a couple of things that uh, we really need to ferret out there so the audience has a good understanding of this very weak, weak case by a district attorney that I think has lost his ever-loving mind. Uh, I'm Rob Main. It's live here on Red Voice Media Network. We're the most dangerous network in America because we bring you the facts and the truth. We'll be right back. Moms and dads of America, you love your kids. You love God. You love this country. And you're tired of watching companies betray your values and ruin great products. Okay, you're the Invest next your time, question. energy, and money into the people that are building the country you want for your kids and standing for the values that will lead to their blessing and protection. Invest in companies like Brave Books. They are on a mission to create content for kids that is safe for them to enjoy. They have kids' books that teach about character, hard work, and the value of being brave. If you join their Book of the Month Club, you get a new book sent to your door every month that will teach your kids pro-God, pro-American values. Brave Books will not betray your trust. Your children and your grandchildren will thank you. Remember, the land of the free depends on the homes of the brave. This one's on me, bud. former Huntsville police officer William Ben Darby was convicted of murder. This morning, the Alabama Court of Criminal Appeals held oral arguments on his appeal. Darby was convicted for the 2018 on-duty shooting of Jeffrey Parker. Parker called 911 saying he was suicidal. Today's arguments held in the Birmingham area as part of a legal education day for high school students. News 19 investigative reporter Dallas Parker was there and has more. The oral arguments took place right here on the campus of Sanford University Thursday, and Darby himself was not present. However, the panel of five judges from the Alabama Court of Criminal Appeals took the chance to listen to some arguments in the former police officer's appeal on his murder case. Both the defense and the state had a total of 30 minutes each to present their arguments on two issues brought on appeal. Each side met with questions from judges on the panel as to their arguments. The defense first brought the issue of a Sixth Amendment violation of the right to a public trial. 
Defense attorney Nick Law says because the live feed streaming to an overflow room and the media spectator room was cut various times throughout the trial proceedings, there was a closure of the courtroom to the public. Law says Darby did not know this was happening, so he could not object. He argues the only remedy for this issue is to overturn Darby's conviction and remand his case for a new trial. The defense team says it wanted the jury to be instructed to consider the case through the eyes of a reasonable officer on the same scene, but says the trial court denied that instruction. Meanwhile, the state simply argues Darby's trial was fair. A state prosecutor says the defense never objected to anything pertaining to the live feed camera during the trial. The state argued expert testimony was allowed during the trial because it presents a full picture to the jury. But in Alabama, self-defense law has no, quote, reasonable police officer standard, only a reasonable person standard. Outside of those before the panel of judges, dozens of people showed up today in support of the former officer, including now-retired Huntsville Police Chief Mark McMurray. So do you police officers rely on your training? Train like you mean it. Keep your head on a swivel. Keep your head high. Uh, this will be remanded or reversed pretty soon. The court took Thursday's arguments into consideration. However, there is no exact timeline as to when they could come to a decision on the fate of this appeal. For now, in Homewood, Dallas Parker, News 19. News 19 will continue to follow Darby's case. We'll bring you the latest update. Welcome back. Uh, we're live here at the Red Voice Media Network where we're dangerous, as Chad Caton says uh, during the RVM Roundup especially. We're dangerous and we're the most dangerous network in America. And I say it's because we dare to bring you the facts and the truth. And I'm speaking with Officer Keelan Darby, the wife of Officer Ben Darby, uh, today uh, for the second time in a year, little over a year. Uh, when she brought this, her case to me, his case to me, and uh, we wanted to get at the exposure. And now we want to get this, uh, uh, this new trial more exposure to Keelan, because I think it's still a travesty. It's still persecuting a police officer who is doing his job based on the facts there. Uh, but uh, the specifics of of the overturn on the appellate by the appellate court, uh, did they use the Sixth Amendment argument uh, in as part of their decision? Because I think it was compelling that the defense team or Officer Darby, your husband, didn't know they were cutting the feed to the public uh, when they were doing it, so they couldn't object. Right. So during the trial, um, like I said earlier, I was confined to a separate room and I watched my husband's fate on a 32 inch screen. And we, we're, there's people in there, we'd sit in there and all of a sudden there was a witness on the stand and he was talking and then the screen went black. And I looked around at my friends and family and the supporters. And then I looked at the uh, law enforcement inside and I said, hey, what's going on? And they said, we don't know. And that lasted for about 10 minutes. And when the screen came back on, it was a different person on the witness stand. And they were talking about something totally unrelated as to when before the screen went black. And that had happened several times. Um, you can't do that because like we argued in our appeal, that's a closure of the courtroom. The uh, appellate court did consider that. That was the main reason why they overturned uh, the original trial court's ruling but that did play into and factor into that overturning. As it should have. I mean, the U.S. Constitution guarantees you a right to a public trial and a jury of your peers. 
Right. So, uh, I mean, con common sense dictates that. There were all kinds of crazy things going on with the COVID uh, uh, nuttiness, uh, and I'm glad they, that they did use that. I was curious about that. Now, now the other piece, though, that, that the one that I was most interested in, based on our first conversation, was uh, the jury was not instructed that as a police officer, you have to you have to look at this through a reasonable police officer's eyes and perspective, not just Joe Smo out with his concealed carry or even with an open carry or, or just carrying something around uh, and decides that he needs to shoot somebody because he thinks he or she thinks he's a threat. Uh, and that's a totally different perspective, a police officer on duty versus citizen not on duty, uh, even if the actions are exactly the same, isn't it? Right, you're exactly right. So as police officers were trained and we, we received training every year on how to do our job, just like doctors and lawyers and teachers and bankers and whatever your job is, you get job training on how to complete your job correctly. Um, police officers deal with, have get training on how to deal with armed individuals. Uh, granted, a Joe Blow citizen can get training for concealed carry, and how to defend himself. But what people need to remember is Jeffrey Parker called 911 and he asked for a uniformed police officer to come and help him. Help, I'm gonna say in air quotes. Um, he had three officers show up that day. Two of them wrongly went into the house against our training while Ben saw that they were in the situation that they were and he had to take over. Uh, It, during the trial, the district attorney and the uh, prosecution compared Ben to a random citizen walking down the street with a shotgun, seeing his neighbor in their in his house with a gun to his head, and that random citizen walking in there and killing him. That's not a, that's not at all what happened, and that's nothing near. You can't make that comparison because it's just blatantly false. All three of them, or Ben and the other two officers were in a Huntsville police officer uniform. You could obviously tell that they were on duty as police officers for Huntsville Police Department. And again, Parker Parker called the police. They didn't just show up and run into his house. He called the police and the police showed up. Um, like I said, we are given training on how to deal with people, whether if they're armed, if they're unarmed, whatever the situation is, we receive that training. The normal American citizen does not. So you have to view us, police, through a different lens because we are given training on how to deal with these things where Joe Smith is not. Um, and furthermore, you have to look at a reasonable police officer. And if you look at February of this year, there was a shooting in Huntsville and five, it was a, similar to Ben's case, in the sense of the use of force that was used. Um, officers had shot a man who had a gun to his head, who had moved the gun towards those officers. The only difference between my husband's case and the case that happened on February 4th is that five officers showed up to the February 4th incident and all five were reasonable and acted reasonably. On Ben's case, three officers showed up and only one of them was reasonable and used reasonable force. Um, thankfully, those five officers were not uh, charged. They were not gone after by the district attorney. And I'm happy for them because I would hate for them to go through the last couple years that we've gone through. 
but how can you say it's different? How can you say that what they did is justified for shooting an armed individual who moved a gun towards them after being told to drop the weapon, but when Ben Darby did it three years prior, I'm sorry, five years prior, no, that's not the same, and he needs to go to prison for the rest of his life. They're blatantly, if you look at just the use of force of it, they're the same thing, and they weren't treated fairly. Yeah, it's puzzling, uh, very puzzling, uh, this. Uh, so I'm glad the appellate court used those two uh, decision points because I think they were the right right thing to do. Uh, let's go over to the live audience, Shell. I see some hands up over there. Who's next? We have AC Truth. AC, go ahead. Hello, Ms. Uh, Colonel Manis and Ms. Thomas. So it is my contention um, that cases like these show the premeditated overthrow of our government. In Atlanta, we had many cases our officers faced in 2017, 18, and 19, and um, were only looked at after the George Floyd case. Um, the purposeful and, and, and purposely timed defund uh, campaign with media-driven cases and our captured DA's offices with extreme political beliefs. Um, this is what caused our officers to quit. And we then had trouble with recruitment and retainment in order to debilitate our cities and in order to push agendas that were far left and that showed um, a, a, like a takeover or some some kind of a, a, a de destabilization of our communities at large. And so I think we should put in legislation and learn our lesson from this, and we should all push for this locally, that our elected judicial officials and some that are um, uh, hired by our magistrate courts should be required to view crime scene photos and go through crime scene simulation, which has them understand the split-second decisions required by our officers. And they should also be familiar with police protocols. And we all know that the policing complaints um, that were told to us by the far left um, that were uh, stating um, the officer abuse and could never get the numbers and the percentages right. And I'm not saying our officers are perfect and that is it that is something to discuss when we're actually being genuine with our discussion but um these uh, these concerns that the far left pose were in fact fake because here in atlanta now those same people who demanded that our officers get better training and we heard it over and over community place policing train our officers better now they're trying to build a better police facility where they do better training and they and they introduce things like grappling and jujitsu in order to not use um, weapons and actually address progressively what was demanded of them. And what do we have now? Those same far leftists saying we don't want you to cut down pine trees, and so we don't want this cop city. So it's disgusting. They're trying to overthrow our government, and they're putting our grandparents, they're putting our children, everyone um, left unsafe in the streets just simply because our officers don't know what is okay to arrest and not because they cannot count on the judicial system to back them up with the protocols and the training that they have um, taken. And if people don't like that training, they can go to the legislation and they can address it there. But to um, uh, punish our officer after he does what his protocol says, it's not only disgusting but it should be made illegal because it is a, a, it a it is a push for destabilization of a city, a state, or um, a, a county. I think AC's got a great point there. Uh, and at the beginning of her comment, uh, uh, she sounded like she was advocating for legislation to, or rules to be implemented to require judges uh, uh, and 
prosecutors to go through reaction training, what I would call reaction training. I, I've been through it myself when I uh, took over uh, positions that involved supervising police departments. I went through the same use of force training that my officers did, so I had an understanding of what the, how they were trained and what they would do in specific situations. Uh, does Alabama have that type of uh, legislation or rules in effect, or uh, would you be uh, advocating for that kind of thing after this is all over? Yeah, I think that if you're if you are sitting on a uh, use of force uh, panel or you have anything to do with a use force decision after the fact, you should have to go through that scenario in a simulated uh, session, which most departments have a simulator where you can run through that and you can um, you can see because, so like I've, like I've said, police officers are trained to do certain things, certain ways under certain circumstances. Joe Smith is not. And when you have the public go through these simulators I've, I saw a video of they had a news news member go through a simulator with a man and all he did was get out, get out of his truck and started walking towards the female um, news person angry and yelling at her and she shot him. Well yeah, guess what you're yeah. going to prison for the rest of your life because that's that's not a that's not a threat like yes you know that may be scary yeah. but that's not something that Exactly. That allows you to shoot someone. Now, if he's coming out with you a gun, yeah, shoot him. But yeah. just because he's yelling at you, you know, so yes, should should people who are in a decision-making um, on a use of force panel have to go through a simulated version of that? Yes, because you don't understand, and this goes back to you can't Monday morning quarterback, and it's in Graham versus, Qu Graham versus Connor case law, you, ha you can't use 2020 hindsight vision to look at a case. You have to look at what that officer had at that split second and see what decision he made in that split second, not in an air-conditioned air room with no threat against you, sitting in your lazy boy, drinking your cup of coffee. You can't make that decision in that atmosphere because it's not the same as what the officer faced at the time. Exactly right, Keelan. Uh, you know, and, and to AC's point, uh, I don't know if you've seen the breaking news today, AC, but uh, the, the Attorney General of Georgia has filed a RICO case against 60 Antifa operatives uh, about that Cop City, uh, uh, the series of attacks against Cop City. Uh, and that should be interesting. It's about time that uh, an attorney general or a prosecutor went after Antifa, which is the paramilitary communist arm of the Democrat Party. That's my opinion. Uh, but I've got a lot of experience in warfare and insurgencies and, and thinking about that kind of thing. So uh, that's where it is. Well, we've got to take our last break, Keelan. When we come back, uh, we'll talk about the upcoming trial, see what your perspective is on that. What do you, how do you think it's going to go? Uh, and we'll uh, finish up with our audience on Spaces. I'm Rob Bainis, live, Red Voice Media Network. We'll be right back. Attention Americans, breaking news. Biden's dangerous plan for a digital dollar is underway. Don't be fooled. It won't benefit you. Take action now. The Federal Reserve phased deployment of FedNow began on July 1st, 2023. Be prepared. This may catch many off guard. Your hard-earned assets are in jeopardy. But there's a simple legal tax loophole to opt out of the digital dollar. 
Reach out to American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide and discover how to safeguard your wealth with gold and silver IRAs against a failing dollar and volatile markets. Visit protectfrombiden.com. This invaluable guide provides precise steps to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals without any tax consequences. Be smart. Don't let Biden force you into using the government's new digital dollar. Visit protectfrombiden.com to get your free guide and get started. Again, that's protectfrombiden.com. A new murder trial date has been set for former Huntsville police officer William Ben Darby. The Alabama Court of Criminal Appeals reversed Darby's murder conviction last month. And according to court documents, a new trial date has been set for December 11th. Darby was convicted for the on-duty shooting death of Jeffrey Parker and in 2021 was when he was convicted and he was sentenced to 25 years in prison. Darby has been released from prison and is currently out on bond. Welcome back to the Rob Manus Show, where we're talking about uh, the prosecution and really persecution of that officer, Ben Darby, and his family and his wife, Officer Keelan Darby, uh, is uh, with us today to discuss uh, this case. Uh, Keelan, uh, I, I know I would prefer, as you would, that another trial wasn't necessary, uh, but uh, what is your perspective on how you think that's going to go this time, considering the reasons why the appellate court overturned that conviction, five to nothing? We are very uh, positive with our upcoming trial in December. So we have a new judge over the case. When, ben, when the appellate court issued their decision, Ben's original judge, uh, Judge Pate, immediately recused uh, from herself from the case and didn't give a reason why. She also recused from his lawyer's cases over the next five years. So she wants nothing to do with our case or his lawyers for a really long time. Um, she didn't give a reason as to why on either of them, which is very abnormal because usually you give a reason why you don't want to be involved in that situation anymore. Um, the, the judges... Uh, the, the judge that was assigned to our case now is Judge Mann. He has a extensive um, history in criminal law before he became a judge um, in his attorney, uh, his years as, a, as an attorney, where Judge Pate did not have that experience um, as an attorney. So we are very hopeful with what we've heard about Judge Mann um, and just some of the things that he's done in the process of Ben being released from prison up until now and some of the things that we've had to go through, um, we're very confident in in the upcoming trial. There's gonna be a lot of things that are different. He's already stated that it will be held in the largest courtroom in Madison County, and it will be open to the public. So I'm encouraging <clears throat> anyone who's able to um, locally, or if they decide to come and travel, um, to show up and support Ben Darby, a police officer who was wrongly convicted of murder because he followed his training, training that is still being taught today, right now, in all 10 police academies in the state of Alabama. Yeah, and as you said, five police officers just used that same training under very uh, almost identical circumstances, and they all 
acted as reasonable officers and, and uh, took the appropriate actions and eliminated the threat. Uh, it's interesting that in this case, you, in Ben's case, you only have one officer that acted in a re from a reasonable officer perspective, and he's charged uh, because he's alone uh, in mm -hmm. that. And when the five did it, they're not charged at all, even though both shoots were found to be within the po policy and training of the department. Uh, but uh, uh, I think uh, with that jury instruction, I, I can understand why she recused herself. She didn't give the jury instruction of what to to look at what a reasonable officer on duty uh, would do, and and told them to just treat him like an average person uh, right. that just she came upon the incident. Uh, right. uh, I mean, she should be embarrassed. She should be actually. Uh, held accountable for that uh, it, more than just being a, overturned on appeal uh, in a devastating unanimous decision, uh, assuming that's an en banc presentation. Well, let's go over to our live audience one more time. Uh, and I think we've got P.O. Texan up there, Shell, that uh, has a question or a comment for Keelan. Yes, yeah, there is. Yeah, I got both, man. Number one, I mean, are all these people supposed to expect these cops in a situation like that to, you know, call a timeout? Oh, hold on a second. Let's assess all of this. Now, these are split-second decisions that you're going. But out of all of this, I have one question. Where is the double jeopardy fall into this thing? I mean, he was already convicted, and the conviction was overturned. And how can they try him for the same thing? I, I thought that was illegal in itself. Right. That was that was a question that I that's a very good question. And it's something that I had immediately when I got the phone call from our lawyer um, because they overturned the conviction. It's not double jeopardy because of the error made by the judge. So it's going back to trial to be followed under the, the new judge has specific instructions that he has to follow and allow for this trial. Um, if he were acquitted, <clears throat> excuse me, if he were acquitted and they went to go back to retry him, that would be double jeopardy. But because they, they only overturned the case. Um, so they had an option to remand or to, um, I can't think of the other word right now, but basically they remanded it back to try, re remand or reverse. Um, they reversed the trial court conviction, but they remanded it back to trial. So that's why it's not double jeopardy. Yeah, I think they would have to use uh, phraseology similar to, you know, the uh, overturned with prejudice and not remand it back to the lower court for it to uh, be considered double jeopardy if he tried it again. Uh, uh, again, though, uh, the DA really has an interesting and unique view of this case for some reason. Uh, I would encourage folks to, you can go Google it and, and find him uh, and find the interview. There's a recent article with interviews of both Keelan and this district attorney that are uncut, they say. Uh, and, uh, and listen to this man. He has a very interesting view and he puts out incorrect information that obviously the appellate court has overturned him on uh, very severely. I mean, this is not a, a small, uh, you know, overturn this conviction you know, repeal it uh, and then send it back. Uh, uh, so the guy would go, yeah, we're going to try this again. We just, he, he calls it a technicality when really it's material, especially, especially the lack of jury instruction or the jury instruction incorrectly uh, that they view Ben Darby as not a police officer, but as an average citizen that just came upon the, came upon these circumstances and then shoots a guy. 
uh, for apparently no reason. So uh, uh, it'll be interesting. I have a lot of hope, folks. Uh, I do encourage you to get out there in uh, Huntsville, Alabama, and Madison County, and get to that courthouse on December 11th and show your support if you can. Uh, I'd appreciate it. Uh, I know that the Darbies would appreciate it. Keelan, before we let you go, uh, working folks uh, find you guys, and more importantly, how can they help you? Because uh, I mean, this stuff's expensive. I know Pipe Hitters uh, uh, Foundation's helping you through from Chief yeah. Gallagher, but uh, uh, you got to need some more help. Yeah, we do. So we have our website. It's standwithdarby, D-A-R-B-Y dot com. And we have a lot of information on there that people can look at, um, videos, past interviews that I've done. Um, and then there's ways to donate if you feel led to do so to help us in our legal battle, um, which we'd be very grateful for as this is an expensive uh, situation that we're facing. But we we have had a outpouring of support from the public Close by and honestly worldwide, I've had donors contact me from Ireland um, saying, hey, we support you from, from across the ocean. And it's just it's just a big help. Both of those links are on our website at standwithdarby.com. People can also go to pipehitterfoundation.org and directly donate through them. Um, all the donations are tax write-offs, if that's something that you're interested in. And then we're on all social media platforms, Facebook, uh, Instagram and Twitter at stand with Darby. Uh, so it's pretty simple there. And then regarding that interview you, you were just speaking of, um, that was two weeks ago and that's at way 31, a W A A Y 31, the number, um, dot com. That's the news station. And if you look that up, those are uncut interviews. Um, it's an article. And then at the very bottom, it has my full interview and the interview with the district attorney, uh, with this, with this upcoming trial and what what we both believe is going to happen and how it should play out. So um, to all of you out there who have, who have supported us since um, I've come on Rob's show, or you've just heard of us along the way, um, from the bottom of our mine and Ben's heart bowl, we thank you guys for it. We couldn't do it without you guys standing with us. Um, it's something definitely hard that we're going through, but we have the faith and the confidence that we will be victorious in December. Well, thank you for coming on, Keelan, and devoting such time. We, uh, give uh, Ben our best. Uh, uh, you, you're all in our prayers as usual. But one thing I will say, I look forward to having you both on this show to talk about the acquittal that I believe at the bottom of my heart is going to come. Thank you so much. And, uh, have a great evening. Well, folks, that was Keelan Darby, police officer, wife of Officer Ben Darby, who has been persecuted uh, and this family has gone through uh, five years of hell. Uh, they need your help. Go to pipehitterfoundation.org uh, and you can help them out there uh, it, just about anywhere else. But I do, I do encourage you to look at that DA's interview. He's kind of out there uh, when it comes to this case for some reason. I'm Rob Maness. Tomorrow is Truth Thursday. We're talking to political science professor, Dr. Randy Arrington, our regular contributor about the Proud Boys convictions and the sentencing of Enrique Terrio and combat veteran Joe Biggs. Red Voice Media, dangerous. Dangerous because we bring you the facts and the truth. And Tucker's still laughing. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha.